Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, the sports editor of the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by women's basketball reporter Bo Underwood and men's basketball reporter Sandy Will Hibbs. First up, though, assistant sports editor Owen Warden will join the show to preview the upcoming baseball season. Welcome to the show, Owen. Great to be here, John. So, the baseball season officially begins on Friday. There's a red and black night at Foley Field. Schedule starts off with three straight home stands. How important will it be for the team to start off the year with some momentum, building on those three straight series at home? Well, I think like any team, it's going to be incredibly crucial to build momentum. It's I don't think you could really bring up any team and say, oh yeah, got to start with a loss here. Um so I think incredibly crucial to really get some wins, get some strong wins against a, a team in Jacksonville State that is surprisingly pretty good, and they've they've got talent. So they'll definitely challenge Georgia, but I think getting some wins over them will be really important and I think could set a big, momentous impact, uh, especially when they go into the, just a difficult SEC schedule. Speaking of momentous impacts, last year the team made the NCAA tournament but they were eliminated pretty early on in the original round. Where did that success come from? Were they a power-hitting bunch? Did they just have lights-out pitching? What was going on there? Well, it was kind of a mix of both. It was never particularly one thing over the other, although if you could point to anybody, I think Jonathan Cannon, uh, the pitcher, uh, a pitcher who has uh, recently been drafted in the third round um, out of Georgia, um, he was a big part of that team, and he was he was their opener. He was... He was the guy that would start on Fridays for them, and he was a big part of that team. Um, so pitching, certainly, and, and they had a great closer and uh, Jack Gowan. Those guys were really impactful, but they still had great bats. Uh, they had Connor Tate. They had Ben Anderson. Um, both of those guys are solid bats, especially Connor Tate. He's been he's been an MVP for this team for the past few years. Um, but unlike uh, Cannon and, and, and Gowan, uh, both Anderson and Tate are coming back. So that's definitely big for them, but... I'd, I'd say it was a mix of both. I don't think they had anybody that was particularly way stronger than the other. You mentioned that the team lost some talent to the MLB draft. Who needs to step up and fill in those gaps this season? So I think a big one to look at is Jaden Woods. Um, he's from my hometown of, of Houston County, uh, Georgia. Um, he's a guy, he spent te- he spent some time with, the, with Team USA over the summer, um, and he started in their uh, red versus black scrimmage they had uh, this past Friday. So he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He's going to be taken over uh, for Jonathan Cannon, um, and he's going to be huge for that. Um, you lost out on Cole Tate, Josh McAllister, um, a couple really uh, good infielders. Um, so you've got some guys coming back, plenty of bats um, from – from Anderson to Tate, alongside Parks Harbor, Corey Collins, Charlie Condon, who redshirted last year. He's been he he's really found a way to use a lot of the just six foot six frame that he has, and just he's been rocketing him out of the park uh, recently. Um, in addition, Cole Wagner, Fernando Gonzalez, um, and a development prospect in Garrett Spikes, they all return. Um, and then there's plenty of transfers, um, Will David, Sebastian uh, Murillo, and Mason LaPlante. Um, those guys are expected to really make an impact, at least in the fielding aspect, and they're really going to be moved all around that infield. Speaking of those transfers, uh, the Bulldogs brought in nine transfers and nine freshmen this offseason. 
do you think they're going to rely more on youth or more on experience in this upcoming year? I think definitely experience. I mean, a guy I brought up um, in Charlie Condon, um, he redshirted last season, and he's going to be one of the younger players to really make an impact on this lineup. But Ben Anderson and Connor Tate are both sixth-year seniors. I mean, it's that Stetson level of age and, and experience um, that are really coming back to this team. Um, some of your some of the younger guys on this team are are redshirt freshmen to juniors, so you're you're getting more experienced youth rather than some true freshmen coming off and and playing great. Um, so I definitely expect youth to be a really big impact. I mean, sorry, I really expect uh, I do expect that youth to be a big impact, but I expect that impact to be off the bench more in that depth role, filling in when when the older guys need it. Um, but yeah, that, that experience and, and, and those older guys, um, as, as Ben Anderson and Connor Tate has kind of been referred to as around that program, those guys are going to be the impact guys. Those are the ones that are gonna make the impact. Speaking of that experience, uh, head coach Scott Strickland is about to start his 10th season at the helm for Georgia. What can you say about him? What have you seen from him in his tenure thus far? Well, I mean, he's had 10 years, so he's definitely, um, He's got plenty of tape and plenty of uh, stuff that he's done to look over. Um, he started out a little rough. It was a little, it was a little bit rough going. But t- around 2018, he really turned things around. And those 2018, 2019 teams were really impressive. Um, he had a lot of great players, and and that 2020 team could have been great if not for that COVID year that came up. And then they had a they had a guy go in the first round. They had a guy go in the third round. Um, from that from that class, and that would have been a great team if they would have been able to put things together. Um, Emerson Hancock and Cole Wilcox, a couple great pitchers they had on that team that just uh, never really got to finish things out uh, with Georgia. Um, but he's been he uh, these past four or five years, he's been kind of the model of consistency, uh, consistent winning seasons, consistent postseason performances. But I think what Georgia fans should be looking for is that next step. He's gotten them in postseason play plenty of times, but he's yet to get them to the big match that to finally get them to Omaha. Um, and that's what they've been waiting on for a long time. So this could be a season. I mean, th- they've got a, a tough uphill battle with the SEC competition, um, and they're not exactly at the forefront of that competition. Um, so they'll have a tough battle, but I think really – you just got to hope that he takes that next step. He finally gets his guys to the dance um, rather than just another postseason performance. Speaking of that next step, that uphill battle, there were eight SEC teams listed in the preseason top 25 rankings. Seven of those teams are on Georgia's schedule. What's the key? What's what's the path to surviving such a tough road? I mean, yeah, Georgia's, Georgia's kind of the ninth team, truthfully. So, I think they're I think they're more just outside um, than you think. I'd I'd, I'd 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 put them as probably a top fifty team um, in college baseball. But it just goes to show you how tough the SEC is, considering that eight SEC teams are in the top twenty five. Seven of them on the schedule. I think it goes back to that needing to get a hot start. They need to going into that schedule. They're going to have to be hot. They're going to have to be rolling if they're going to have any shot. Talking with their players, talking with their coach, they believe in themselves. They think they think of themselves as one of the best teams, uh, not only in the SEC, but in the country. Um, so I think 
time will tell if they can really make use on that potential and really uh, elevate past those great teams and really put themselves back in that that top twenty five, which they've kind of they've kind of been in for a while now. But yeah, I think the SEC is definitely going to give them some competition, but they've got some players that I think they can hang on if need be. All right, Owen. You mentioned that next step. You mentioned returning to the NCAA tournament, making some noise in the postseason. Can the Bulldogs make it back for a second straight year? I definitely think they can. I 100% think they can make it back to the postseason. I mean, retaining Connor Tate alone is huge for them because he's going to be batting second now. He's a great bat, um, and I really, really like uh, the potential of what a lot of those guys um, have. Jaden Woods and Charlie Condon both have looked great, and they're young. So I think if everything holds together, if they don't deal with injuries like they dealt with last year and, and a lot of this, the new stuff that the coaching staff has been putting in place really resonates, um, they've, got a, they've got potential to make a run. Um, but with such a tough SEC schedule in front of them, it'll be difficult to really make it to Omaha and really make it to that final place, that final step where they need to go. Um, but yeah, I think postseason at the very least is very much in the cards for them. But will they go further? Time will tell. Time will tell. There's a long season ahead, but uh, if your prediction comes true, I'm pretty sure George Penn's going to be fairly happy. I think fairly happy. Maybe not ecstatic, but I think they'll be pleased with the result. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Great to be here, John. be joined by Samuel Higgs to hear all about all of the action coming from the men's basketball beat. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you for having me, John. It was very nearly deja vu for Georgia. The Bulldogs almost blew another double-digit second half lead to Kentucky, but they escaped with an 82-75 victory in the end. What did, George, what did that win say about this Georgia team? What did they prove in that win? I think they showed a lot of resilience this past Saturday, and I believe Mike White said it best in the post-game press conference where this team has faced so much adversity, and they have folded almost every single time that they have faced adversity. Let's look back at the previous matchup against Kentucky. They went into half with an eight-point lead, then Oscar Deshibwe took over. They folded. The moment got too big for them. They just couldn't overcome the adversity. But this past Saturday, complete opposite. We saw them go into half with a 10-point lead. We saw them lose that lead. And they didn't just, like, cower down and, you know, just let Kentucky continue their run. They said, let's let's win this game. And then they got their lead back. They end up winning the game. It was awesome. Terry Roberts returned from injury. Georgia's leading scorer playing a couple minutes off the bench. What did you see from him in his first game back? So, I mean, it was pretty obvious that he has been, or he was a little rusty. You got to think that he hasn't been practicing that much due to the concussion protocol, but he impacted the game probably the most defensively. He was able to lock down the guy that he was matched up with, which allowed other players to come and match up with Oscar Deshibwe so they would have two men on him at all times. So, I mean, you know, we heard it from Cario and Braylon and even Coach White in the post post-game press conference as well, like, just having Terry Roberts out on the court makes a huge difference for this Georgia basketball team because he is a leader, and that is what they were missing in that time that he was gone. You mentioned Oscar Tshibwe. He didn't take over the game in the first half like he did in the second half of that previous game. What were the, what were the Bulldogs doing to keep him in check? 
So I believe that Toshiba was like the primary focus as far as defense went for the Bulldogs going into that game. They had guys coming off their man to make sure that Oscar Toshiba was not going up with second chance at rebounds. They were making sure that he wasn't even getting these rebounds. They made other people on Kentucky shoot the ball and score the ball just because they didn't want Oscar Toshiba to get in a group. The guy that did end up taking over a little bit for Kentucky was Antonio Reeves. That guy had 15 of uh, Kentucky's 32 first half points. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, double teaming Oscar Deshibwe to make sure that he doesn't get any rebounds, doesn't start to eat in the paint. I thought that was just a great decision for them. Now the Bulldogs are traveling to face a very good Alabama team, ranked first in the nation. The Crimson Tide are super dangerous this season, 12-0 and in conference matchups. What makes them such an intimidating opponent? So if we're to look at just SEC statistics, they rank either top five or first in almost every major statistical category. I wrote down that they are first in points, first in three-pointers made, first in defensive rounding, and first in rebounding overall. And then we got to look at who is on their team. Brandon Miller is the leading scorer of the SEC. He is first with 18.8 points, and he also ranks fourth in rebounds with 8.2 rebounds. Then they got another guy. His name's Noah Clowney. He also ranks top five in the SEC for rebounding. It is just, it is an extremely talented team that Alabama has. Depending on who you ask, this might be the toughest matchup for the Bulldogs all season. So can the Bulldogs sneak out the win here against a very good Alabama team? It's going to be very difficult for them to do it. I think the best case scenario for Georgia to possibly come out with a win here is to play some of their best defensive ball that they have played all season. If they can keep this game low scoring and somehow sneak away with just performance purely off of the free throw line, I think that's going to be, you know, a huge thing for them. Um, But their primary focus should be stopping Brandon Miller. He is their offensive juggernaut for Alabama, and I just think you need to stop him or at least find a way to control him just as well as you did against Oscar Shibway in the first half against Kentucky. Um, they're going to need strong defense, and what they're also going to need is to not allow Alabama to go on a run similar to what Auburn and Texas A&M did. Auburn said it last week, 17-0 run. A&M, 14-0 run. They can't do that. If they want to win this game, they can't allow a team to do that in the first half because that practically just means the game's over before it's even begun. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult for the Bulldogs to come away with a victory, especially with their road record. Um, I'm just hoping, best case scenario, it doesn't end up like that Tennessee game, the A&M game, or the Auburn game, all those road games, and just a really bad, ugly blowout. I don't know how confident I am that it won't end up in an ugly road blowout. But regardless, thanks for coming on the show, Sam. Thank you for having me, John. Finally, we'll be joined by women's basketball reporter Bo Underwood to discuss the recent developments on the women's basketball beat. Welcome to the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, John. So in this past game, Georgia absolutely bludgeoned Florida in an 81-55 thrashing. You told me that this would be a close, hard-fought matchup, so I've got just one very simple question for you. What happened, Bo? Well, John, I failed to account for the fact that Georgia would force 28 turnovers in this game. (laughs) Um, They played outstanding defense the whole way, and there was just nowhere for Florida to go with the ball. Georgia was rotating super well, moving with each other super well, and all those turnovers created so many looks in transition and so many fast-break opportunities 
And when you're forcing turnovers like that and then also converting efficiently on the other end, that's a recipe for a blowout. So that's that's what happened on Sunday. Despite the blowout, Brittany Smith and Diamond Beckles only shot 9 of 27 from the field. Should the Bulldogs be worried about that performance, or should they be satisfied that they were able to win so handily despite their best players not having the best outing? It's definitely not what you want to see, obviously. Um, Diamond Battles did do a lot of good things defensively in this game that don't show up on the box score, and they make you feel a little bit better about her performance on offense. Brittany Smith, it just wasn't her day, but she ended up only playing, I think, like 24 minutes anyway once Javin Nicholson really got it going off the bench. And I am glad that Brittany Smith is shooting at least. She took 11 shots, which I'm I'm used to when we talk about Brittany Smith having a quiet game is because she shot the ball five times. Um, so I'm glad that she's being aggressive and still shooting at least. Again, you don't want to see that type of performance from your top two options, but it's hard to complain too much when you win by 26 with those two not having the best offensive games. Now they're moving on to face an Arkansas team that's lost five of its last seven matchups. If Georgia slips up, if they lose this game, what will the reason be? Arkansas leads the SEC in three-point attempts by a super wide margin. I think they've shot like 700 on the year. No one else has shot more than even 600. Um, the thing is, they're they're like super high volume. They're second. They're first in three point attempts. They're second in three point makes. But in terms of percentage, they're middle of the road, which is it's like thirty percent. Um, but they could very easily get hot from deep in this one just because of how much they shoot from downtown, and they could burn Georgia hypothetically if this becomes a track meet where Georgia has to keep up with Arkansas in terms of perimeter shooting. I wouldn't feel really good about Georgia's chances there. But with that being said, Georgia is playing so well on defense lately, especially on the perimeter, that I wouldn't anticipate that becoming the case. Speaking of that recent performance, Georgia's won five, four of their last five games. What's changed? What's happened over the last few weeks to get on that roll? That Mississippi State game, where they only allowed 34 points, is looking more and more like a turning point with every each new game. This is such a tough defensive team, and they're also now starting to win the rebounding battle more and more after they got absolutely punished on the boards by LSU. They've turned it around. They're pulling in rebounds um, super, super well. And they're being – they're just efficient enough on offense inside the three-point line to where, you know, their their offense is matching their defense right now. They don't shoot a lot of threes. They only took, I think, six the whole game against Florida. But they're making them just enough to where, um, you know, they're play- they're playing really well on both sides of the court right now. And – I think the main thing is that this team is just playing with another level of aggression right now. Despite that other level that they seem to be getting to, there are only four games left in the regular season. Is there enough time for the Bulldogs to make some noise in the SEC standings? So the next three games are Kentucky, Arkansas, and Auburn, and those are all very winnable games for Georgia. And then they've got to go into Columbia and play the number one team in the country, South Carolina. And I'll just go ahead and say it now to all the folks at home, don't don't hold your breath about that one. But if Georgia wins three of their next four, that's a 20-10 and 10 record. It would most likely put them anywhere between 5th and 7th in the SEC. And that's not a bad spot to be in at all, all things considered. I think if you told a lot of people that Georgia was going to end the season 5th in the SEC, they might be a little disappointed. Do you agree with that? It's It's tough to... It was tough to have expectations or, like, a real, like, solid um, 
baseline for how this team was going to do just because of how new it all was with Coach Abe coming in and bringing in all these transfers and with last year's team pretty much getting out of there for the most part. Um, it was tough to predict how this team would play together, and I think a 20-10 and 10 record fifth in the SEC, that's you know, probably going to disappoint some people, but I think what Georgia fans can be proud of is how quickly this team was able to come together and establish an identity and establish a rhythm when it's that's an incredibly tough thing to do when you have a roster that's as new as this one is. Thanks for coming on the show, Bo. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.